welcome to Can I Rent Your Kitchen? I'm an author, an academic, and an unapologetic, prolific overthinker. I learned a long time ago that I don't have any answers to some of the biggest questions we encounter in life. But with the right inspiration, we can ask a lot of insightful questions. In this podcast, my guests and I will frame some of life's biggest conundrums in an interdisciplinary context relying on some of the subjects near and dear to me, philosophy, science, technology, and education. So join me as together we delve into what makes for a good decision in a world that inundates us with endless choices and powerful subliminal manipulation. Welcome everyone to a new episode of Can I Rent Your Kitchen? I'm going to start um, our episode today with a direct quote from uh, Dr. Oliver Sacks, um, the renowned, um, the, the late Dr. Oliver Sacks, um, I might add, the re- renowned neurologist who has regaled us with some of the most fascinating tales from his um, practice as a neurologist um, and as a human being and as a Um, fellow wanderer and scholar in this vast universe. So um, without further um, ado, let's let's see what Dr. Sachs has to say to us today. He says, and I quote, if we wish to know about a man, we ask, what is his story? His real inmost story. For each of us is a biography, a story. Each of us is a singular narrative, which is constructed continually, unconsciously, by through and in us, through our perceptions, our feelings, our thoughts, our actions, and not least, our discourse, our spoken narration. Biologically, physiologically, we are not so different from each other. Historically, as narratives, we are each of us unique. Um, one of the things, um, one of the things I, I always felt when um, I worked in high school, and I've had thousands of students before that. I taught at university. I, I used to be a professional trainer, so I taught a lot of uh, tech courses, short courses, long courses, and I've had a bunch of learners um, come and go into my life. But perhaps one of the most intimate experiences I had as an educator was when I went to work in, in high school. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that this was the high school that I grew up in. It was my high school. And um, I found myself um, drawn to a lot of my students um, as individuals and um, as a story. As each one of them, I would view them as a story, as um, more than a sum of parts, right? And um, as an author, um, you know, you love to see a story in everything. You see you, everything around you, right? So the first notion that came to mind is I want to write. A, I, I want to write about my students. I want to write their stories because I found it so. I found them so interesting that I thought, you know, I bet a lot of people would too. Um, but then every time I tried to um, tried to outline the story, it felt a little bit exploitative. Um, because these are, you know, they're kids, um, and uh, as their educator, you, you have a unique angle. You see them from a prism of, of vulnerability, and your role is to advocate for them and to protect them. So um, it felt very exploitative to write um, their story. Um, it felt it to be something that uh, they should have the power, the control, the consent over. So instead, I started writing about... Um, how observing them 
related to the central themes um, in our world, right? So um, I'm reminded by uh, some of the uh, the four virtues um, espoused by the Stoic philosophers, right? Wisdom, justice, courage, and uh, temperament, which has a lot to do with um, humility and um, being um, positive um, in general, right? Um, and, uh, you know, in observing my students and observing that age, the age where they still haven't developed a lot of filters. Um, you got to see, I believe, you got to see humanity in its purest, most honest form. Uh, where you get to see raw emotion and you get to see untapped talent and potential. And um, you also got to see some of humanity's uglier sides. Like uh, you see ego. Um, you see a constant struggle between doing the right thing and, 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 and making errors in judgment, right? The central themes of humanity, good versus evil, you know, the downfall of man. Um, and, and it made me realize, again, one of the central themes around this podcast is what makes a good decision, right? Um, and, you know, in school and education, we teach a lot of material. We teach subjects. We uh, proclaim that we are purveyors of knowledge. But does knowledge result in good action? Does knowledge result in good decision making? Um, what about judgment? What about intuition? Um, and some people argue that it has a lot to do with environment. If you come from a good environment, you're more likely to make better decisions. And um, a lot of the times that's not true. A lot of the people who, um, you know, in a crisis situation will make the best decision are the people who grew up in the worst circumstances. Um, so is it experience? Is it environment? Is it temperament? Is it personality? Um, or is it simply just practicing the art of questioning, uh, reflection, and um, just making enough bad decisions that you eventually learn what the good ones are, right? In much the way that um, if you don't water your plants, they wither and die. Um, you have to, we, we, you know, one of the things I always ask is how do we cultivate good intuition? How do we cultivate a good sense of right and wrong? Um, are we inherently um, uh, pre-programmed to make um, the wrong decisions, being that we are irrational human beings? Um, and more, more importantly, um, if we as human beings are continuously striving to be better versions of ourselves, uh, because in, in many philosophies and, and political and, and, and social um, constructs, that is why we exist, is to make the world a better place, uh, to leave it in better shape than when we, uh, than when before we were there. Um, but uh, this constant struggle, this constant pursuit of knowledge, what happens if we stop trying to improve? Does the world stagnate? Does the world come to an end? Um, is everything we do in life supposed to be um, an exercise? Everything supposed to be, is it supposed to be a cognitive workout? And what happens if we decide to be mentally lazy one day? Um, what if we decide to outsource thinking to our machines, right? Uh, with, you know, with artificial intelligence and machine learning and becoming more and more prevalent in our lives. What if I don't want to have a conversation with you? What if I'm just going to have my chatbot talk to you? I mean, customer service does it now. What if it becomes, I don't feel like talking to my mother today, so I'm just going to let the chatbot discuss it with her. And then you're losing out on that um, um, on that interaction, right? Um, do we become better with more interactions or 
is there a point where we're so overstimulated uh, with interaction that we reach a certain maximum or we reach um, a maximum threshold beyond which our um, our marginal our marginal uh, increments uh, start diminishing right so when we stop thinking is there a point where an inflection point in our lives where we can stop thinking is there a point where um, we derive um, a negative experience from trying too hard um, or if we stop trying completely is that what is that what they refer to as purgatory or limbo um, do we just stop existing when we stop thinking or stop trying to be better can we ever just be time and time again you you, you hear a lot of these um, self-help gurus and um, I guess the anti-hustle culture um, celebrities who speak a lot about being in the moment being present and just being but for overthinkers like myself and like a lot of my peers and a lot of scholars and a lot of um, citizens of the world what happens if we stop thinking if we stop trying um, is, is it actually really realistically possible to just stop isn't that what death is um, death is the absence of process of um, continuous improvement or just continuous processing even if you're not improving you're thinking about improving you're thinking about being a better person um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts what do you think how do you determine okay I've thought enough about this right so um, perhaps I should rename this podcast to overthinkers anonymous um, because it is it is one of those things that we are constantly questioning so back to our central theme of knowledge versus understanding versus judgment um, one of the things um, one of my areas of expertise happens to be cybersecurity these days and a lot of cybersecurity um, deals with gathering intelligence um, about a system uh, finding its vulnerabilities and then mitigating um, against those vulnerabilities right and that's if you're working defensive security which is my area of expertise now if you're on the offensive side you're purely trying to gather the intelligence for the purposes of launching the attack let's get back to defensive security when um, when you're trying to harden your system against potential attacks right when you're trying to fend off danger um, and that that point information becomes your knowledge your power right but information alone isn't enough a lot of the information you can gather you can do so publicly from um, open sources um, and sometimes through basic observation so where does the judgment come from where does um, where does the making the right decision come from because um, knowledge in and of itself isn't enough right um, we talk a lot especially um, in my culture we always talked about knowledge being power education being power but our knowledge and education the same thing um, and where does judgment and intuition come into play again with knowledge with judgment with intuition what ultimately results in the optimal decision right what do we have to do to come up with that optimal decision uh, and again i will go back to the earlier question of how much is too much and i'll leave you with that thought for until our next episode